and welcome to the Modes of Mouth podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. This week we're linking up with a Kiwi in Japan as Super Formula, Super GT and soon-to-be Formula E ace Nick Cassidy joins us for a chinwag about his year so far and what's to come as he embarks on the next steps of his racing career, driving for Envisioned Version Racing in Season 7 of Formula E. Thank you so much to you guys who continue to download and listen. If you like it, please do leave us a review. It really helps us to get bigger and enjoy. Welcome to episode 39 of the Motormouth podcast. Now, before we introduce today's guest, I need to head, as always, over to the English county that's home to a secret nuclear bunker. The Kelvedon Hatch Bunker is a large underground nuclear bunker maintained during the Cold War as a potential government headquarters. But enough of my historical-based Essex war facts. More importantly, Essex is home to my illustrious co-host, Harry Benjamin. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Tim. I'm very well, thank you. I had no idea we have a nuclear bunker. Once yeah. again, you've dumbfounded me with some more Essex facts. Thank you for that. Um, you could probably give a history tour around here. It'd be quite interesting. I know. Um, but I'm very good. Bad day to be in the cupboard. It's very hot in yeah. the UK and in Essex. So bad day to be in my little cupboard. But we will power through. How are you? I'm all right. T- a tiny hangover. Small. Yeah. Um, fa- <laughs> very uh, fa- professional. Father-in-law's <laughs> birthday, surprise birthday, dinner last night, and then an early start with the kids as always. So... I'm a, I'm, I don't know what the word is. I'm a little bit weary. Let's put it that weary. way. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. But I'm fine. Could, I'm sure you could power through. Yeah. I'll be all right. Uh, and we've got three podcast recordings today. So by the end of today, I'm going to be weary and with no voice. Lots of coffee and we'll be fine. Yeah. Anyway, shall I introduce today's guest? Yeah, let's do it. So, Nick Cassidy is a man with a very exciting future to build on a very successful past. He's actually our second Kiwi on the show after we featured uh, Brendan Hartley way back when. Um, He started his career in karts and worked his way up the ranks in New Zealand before finding himself racing in Japan with Formula 3, Super Formula and Super GT, where he claimed the Japanese Triple Crown. He's now bagged himself a seat in Formula E to replace the outgoing Sam Bird at Envision Virgin Racing. Nick Cassidy, a very warm welcome to the Motormouth podcast oh look at that the cheers and everything hey thanks for having me on the show guys it's awesome it's an absolute pleasure to have you nick firstly um congratulations as well for the formula e drive with the envision version racing we will come on to that uh in detail a lot later i'm sure but uh first of all where where are you dialing in from at the moment and and sort of how's this last crazy year been for you yes certainly a crazy year isn't it i'm uh calling in from my bedroom in tokyo so I've, i've been here you know um, throughout this year, since after my um, Formula E rookie test in Marrakesh, back in Japan, focusing on the two championships, Super Formula and, and GT, and uh, yeah, off, was, to, off to Europe soon, as you say, with uh, with EVR. Is that the nice. the rookie test where you um, set a track record? I, I like it when you say that instead of me. <laughs> Quite impressive. So even before you've set foot in a in a, a, a an actual Formula E race, you already hold a track record um, in Marrakesh. Yeah, oh, I mean that, that's, that's a pretty cool stat, right? It's it's, it's nice. It was a really good day, but um, we were quite lucky as well. It was a, a test day after the the race weekend. Tracks in in good condition, mm. and so I think whoever was going to go quickest that day would would end up with that uh, that stat. But um. Pretty cool, nonetheless. Very modest yeah. answer. Well done. <laughs> and the world has been in, in pretty much a crazy state, as we just mentioned. How's that been for you? Obviously, you, you, you've made it to Tokyo and you're racing out there. So racing is, is sort of back underway now, which is great. But how's it been the last yeah. few months for you sort of balancing sort of 
everything coming to a stop almost. Yeah, I think in some ways we've been quite fortunate here. Um, cases haven't been too bad. Uh, things, well, life was pretty pretty normal in a way. Obviously, there was a bit of a delay in the calendar getting underway, but uh, yeah, da- daily life kind of carried on as per usual. So um, yeah, pretty pretty fortunate. But obviously, as soon as you you go on social media or look at look at the news. Um, you don't really feel so good about what's going on. Mm. Now, let's take it back to the start. So um, you're from New Zealand, uh, Auckland, I believe. Um, Wikipedia may have told me incorrectly. Um, So take us back to the the early days. What what were the circumstances that led to you getting in a car for the very first time? Uh, I think the long story short is my my father used to do a bit of racing um, himself uh, for for a bit of fun. but he was he was mad about cars in terms of um, you know working on them, buying, selling parts, just as, as a hobby. And uh, my uncle on my mum's side, um, and, and his must my grandfather, they were also involved in a bit of motorsport at, at club level. So naturally, I was always around racetracks, which uh, I think they helped. And once stepping foot in a go kart, um, yeah, their passion for racing never stopped. Were you immediately quick? Did you get in and think, yes, I, I've definitely got a talent for this or did it come more gradually <laughs> and i i can't rem- remember at all so i think um <laughs> well you were young weren't you you, well, you were only like, six years old exactly six seven years old so i mean it wouldn't be right if i sat here right now and told you yeah i was gonna be the next <laughs> setup <laughs> i think um i i, I don't know i, I got, yeah i didn't even know what to say mate i uh obviously enjoyed it but um probably wasn't that great straight away and took a little bit I, I don't know well, what's the um the the junior formula like out out in New Zealand because we I mean, we did chat to Brendan obviously about this as well uh, and a lot of non-European drivers I suppose or who want to go into racing they're so you know Europe is such a, a, a big option for them because there's so many options there's so many series yeah. there's, a, there's a nice route to follow so so what was it like when you were you know navigating the world at a junior level in New Zealand and then wanting to to reach across to, to other other pastures new and obviously we'll come on to Japan but then so but before that what was it like in, in New Zealand yeah I mean uh, we were quite lucky in terms of karting scene was quite strong in terms of um, maybe it wasn't like uh, Europe with the big flash trucks and, and teams and the European championships and things, but the group of guys that we had were at quite a good level. Everyone was racing with mum and dad um, yeah. and similar kind of equipment. And so nearly every weekend we were around the country racing against the same guys, but it was quite a good little competition, um, probably six by years. Um and, and you know my era was probably a little bit later than than Brendan's. Um, so so with me was Mitch Evans, um, Tom Blomquist, William Bamba, Earl's younger brother. Um, there was yeah probably 30, 40 quite good guys. Um, yeah. We were quite lucky with that. And and the natural uh, progression was to go to former Ford, which was also quite strong. And that's where probably Brendan and and Earl and a few other guys were at, at that stage. Um, which was quite strong and probably towards the end of my time was tapering off a bit. The world's starting to change. The single-seater, you know, former Renault thing started to get a bit stronger. Um, but certainly at, at the time when we were in karting, it was very much karts, former Ford, try and do a Toyota racing series, which was a big deal in New Zealand at those, yeah. those times because they were 
kind of fancy cars for what we're used to. Um, well, I think you're you're technically the you're the most successful mm. driver from that series as well, aren't you? That's oh, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, a few guys had a bit of uh, success there, but but it but you know, like when I was growing up in karts, it was very much that clear ladder, and yeah. after that, it was a bit confusing on where to go because you had to make that step to Europe, which um, not only in terms of funding was a big difference, but it was halfway across the world. So yeah. um, that was probably a biggest question mark, but in, until then it was quite a good, uh, quite a good system. And then you took a relatively unconventional route, which others have done. Um, I think um, I'm right to say Marcus Ericsson did it as well and, and took the That's step right. to go yeah. to um, Japan and Japanese Formula 3 initially. How did that opportunity come yeah. about and what were the reasons for choosing Japan over Europe? Was it, was it a cash thing or, or something else? Yeah, I mean, I must say it's basically money. Um, saying that, I, I did get a couple of chances in, in Europe as well. Um, uh, I was with some good teams. You know, I had some good kind of one-off deals, but it didn't really click for me, I must say, especially when I was a bit younger. I'd been quite quite quick in New Zealand, um, had some good results there in TRS, but that initial transition to Europe, I... Um, I didn't do a good enough job as I should have, I must say. And uh, basically that inspired to, I never actually completed a full championship in Europe before um, coming to Japan. So I got to the stage where I, I was given a really good opportunity by uh, the T-Sport guys, uh, Scully and Russ there, to, to run European Formula 3 on a two-race program and, and lead into Macau, which that was like the biggest deal in my career at, at that time. Backed um, by three bonds in, in a factory car, but... For them, they were taking a bit of a risk. I was a rookie with not actually that many results. Might have had a good test here or there. The pace was maybe not so bad, but um, I was still a rookie. And so we went to Macau that year. I had a really, really good run with them. They provided me a, a really good car, an opportunity. And um, that's when Tom's come knocking on the door. And at that stage of my career, it was the opportunity to be with a factory team for a full season and, and something I couldn't really say no to. Yeah, I mean, mm. Tom, Tom's were a great team to join. What was it like? You know, you've done a bit of travelling at this point um, with your racing, but now you're you're hopping across to Japan, completely different culture, very um, alien world for, for someone from Auckland. What was going yeah. through your head at that point when you landed in Japan? And were you on your own? Were you with family? What was that whole experience like? Yeah, I mean, like... Uh, Far out. I I was first given the opportunity to do a, to, a, to do like an audition test, and I didn't really know much about Japan. Of, of course, I um, have heard things, but in terms of actually researching a bit and seeing what the country was like, I must say that my knowledge was pretty low. Um, and the the email from the team was okay. Here's the here's the driver's contracts. Before you come, we'd like you to sign that. Uh, but their M was left unsigned until after the test. And the test was going to be held on the 24th of December. And it's maybe like mid-December. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm spending Christmas at Fuji Speedway, but that's cool. I might have a, a drive next year kind of thing. And at the bottom of the email, it's like, okay, once you land in, in Tokyo, please take a, a three-hour bus and the team will meet you at the bus station to, you know, to the seat fitting and things. And... Um, asked me to come like maybe three or four days before before this test and I've, I've flown across to Japan got off like it's snowing at Tokyo Narita airport got on this bus thinking shit am I on the right bus kind of thing right 
and um, literally three hours to what felt like was in the middle of nowhere, jump off the bus and uh, there's a, my future engineer, team manager waiting for me. And so I remember there was a bit going through the head at that stage thinking, where am I? What am I, what am I doing kind of thing? But um, yeah, I mean, it all, it all led into a pretty cool story and uh, I'm very, very glad that I took the decision that I did. Wow, that is, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a brave move as well to go out there, you know, sort of on your own, not knowing anything about the culture. How is the Japanese these days? Uh, not, not too bad. I, I went to school for six months in 2017 oh, to learn right. the language. Yeah. So that, that helps a bit. Because I suppose uh, when, in terms of sort of talking to your team and the engineers, is it, is it predominantly English because you're there or, or what, what's the mix like? Yeah, it's... Uh, if, if, conversations needed with me it's in english and yeah. the rest of the time it's it's fully japanese and if i don't understand then if they're slagging like, you off they're talking in, J- in japanese but if they're being nice as english yeah 100%. <laughs> so fun fact um i used to manage a guy harry's going to start rolling his eyes because i'm talking about managing drivers again but i used to manage a driver who raced against you in japanese formula three struan moore who, who no way. yeah, yeah okay. um yeah, yeah. so i was with struan for maybe two or three years um and we took him out to japan for similar reasons to you you know the, the european route was so expensive and um and he went out there i can't remember who he was Oh, yes, I can. Uh, KPMG was the team he was racing yeah. for. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. And I didn't quite have your um, car, I don't think, you know, in terms of level playing field. I always told him that anyway. And, um, and yeah, he, he, it was it was amazing. I remember watching you. That was the first time I became aware of you. I think, I guess it was 2017 um, and uh, at Fuji. 15. And, 15. Oh, 15. Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah. We, we did, uh, I did the, Twin Ring, Mategi, and Fuji, and maybe one or two others. But and and you were okay. you were destroying everybody, and it was very clear then that you were on on a path to to bigger and better things. Um, but in terms of Japanese Formula Three, do you what do you think about that as a route for young drivers? Should more drivers be looking at, at routes like that rather than the traditional European system? Um. I think I think you've pumped me up a bit there, mate. I don't remember dominating those races as. Yeah, as you were killing it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, it's it's a difficult one, right? Because I think you, like you say, you you need the right opportunity out here. And um, I was pretty fortunate to be with Tom's. Uh, my biggest thing that year was I was against uh, uh, Toyota junior driver Kenta Yamashita, um, who's ended up being my teammate and super formula and things for a while after that. And uh, for me, it was, okay, I need to get the championship, but that will be my reference for within Tuosa, where um, a few other drivers that come out here will go into, let's say, kind of a, a random team. And uh, unless they shine and win the championship, there aren't that many eyes on them unless they're in that right position or, or being kind of, uh, say, judged throughout the year. So I definitely recommend it, you know, um, kind of thinking kind of outside the square with a young driver's career. If you can't go to a top team in Europe or don't have the right opportunity there, that I think coming out here or the U S is definitely a good thing, but also need to be 
be wary that um, the opportunity out here or being in the right position is, is important as well. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, moving to Japan was was a, a great move by you because you've obviously progressed up the ranks. You've won both Super GT, Super Formula, and I am fascinated with Super Formula. I, I It just looks really cool. And uh, having not had much interaction with it, I suppose, well, you know, it's not broadcast that much over in Europe, I suppose. But if I said it's a bit like Formula One, but in Japan only. Is that an accurate description? How would you describe it to someone who had no idea? Yeah, that's basically what I say on the streets of Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the cars are super quick, right? And yeah. and that's, like, really, really, really cool. Uh, it's, in some ways, a bit of a shame that there isn't the, the exposure within Europe or or even Australia, New Zealand, um, I go home and, and people kind of ask, you know, what are you racing? Um, which in a way does feel quite strange considering the the level of, of the cars, teams, drivers. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, yeah, in a way I've kind of forgotten about that recently and, and just enjoyed in what we're doing here. Mm. What's and, your... Um, sorry, Harry, go on. No, go on. You I was going to say, um, you've, been, you've spent a, a reasonable amount of time now in Japan two questions um what's yeah. your favorite thing about the country and please tell me your favorite karaoke song and i will not accept that you don't have an answer all right we'll start with the uh karaoke song first because one just popped up uh, um uh what was it what was it backstreet boys oh wow yes what is it um, no, no, no. Back uh, I want, uh, back, I want it right. that way. That one. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Next one, next one. Right. Very nice, Harry. Uh, wait, no, is that... Uh, tell me why ain't nothing, ain't nothing but a heart. Yeah, there we go, there we go. Do you do the whole, like, uh, reach up into the air, bring it back down, boy band kind <laughs> yeah, of maneuver as well? Try jump on the table and yeah, you know, do something yeah. with the microphone and hopefully people forget about the voice, right? Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is a solid choice. Solid choice. Um, favorite thing about the country? I love the organization mm. and how clean it is. Um, if they, I think they kind of go together in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, there can be huge amounts of people, yet things operate well and uh, don't spend hours and waiting in stupid places or yeah just organization i think, mm. I think that's um pretty key here and, and do you have a you've got some classic tracks out there um you know fuji being one of them what's your favorite circuit that you've raced on in in japan um probably the, we've got a track here called sugo remember that one from former three uh it it's, rings a bell uh, i didn't go to it it's like a Maybe in Formula 3, a 1 minute 10 lap time. Super Formula, 1 minute 3. Super, Ooh. super short, but like really high speed. And um, it's almost like one of those or New Zealand, UK kind of tracks with um, rough road, but no runoff. Bumpy, weird curbs. Um, so, you know, you can have some big shunts there and you've got to be really, really on the limits to get the most out of it. So, uh that's definitely a favorite mm. for me. But um, I think all the tracks here have something unique about them and um, a really, really good mix or variety here because you do have those uh, Fuji, Suzukas, where, or even Mategi, you know, that are kind of European style. And then you've got uh, a couple like Sugo that are, are narrow with no runoff. So um, quite a cool mix. 
nice. I'd, be, I'd, I'd love to go to Japan. It would just be amazing. I've never been. It's one of the places I desperately want to go, especially to see do some it, of the racing. Do it. bad times doing the right now i think maybe next next year um but coming up through the ranks um was formula one the goal obviously you're you're a red bull driver as well how how have they helped you progress because they help a number of drivers and often they're a lifeline really as well for in terms of sponsorship so how did how early in your career did they come on board and and was formula one always the goal or or was it just to see how far you could get yeah, like uh, for, for sure, Formula One was the ultimate dream, right? Um, at, at that stage of my career when I was younger, but I must say, um, I never really thought it was realistic, and it, it was that kind of dream. And and going to Europe, it was kind of like, oh wow, let, let's push for that. But it always maybe seemed that step too far. Um, and I, I must say, I don't think I really had, like I said, when I first went to Europe, um, results that I needed to to really put me on. Yeah. The, the shop window for Formula One, whereas now I probably have that come a little bit late in my career, um, I must say. Um, well, so why do you think that is? Is that a case of... I, don't think, I think that's a little bit to do with the fact of just having a, a full season and the right opportunity, but at the same time, I probably grew up. I feel like I've actually also improved um, these last mm. three, four, five years. I've definitely um, I've still been getting better, which is probably not a bad thing. Um considering I'm still wanting to do more years of my career. But yeah, yeah probably happened a bit too late in terms of results-wise, but it was, let's say, say a dream and a goal. Um, my link with, with Red Bull, a uh, really, really cool partner of mine. I love working with them, um, quite close with the uh, Red Bull Japan team out here. And that happened through uh, Super GT sponsorship where they sponsored the car. Um, I was driving in 2017 and then took me on as a... Say, say, ambassador or, or um, sponsorship uh, role from 2018 onwards, and so that yeah hasn't been so much linked to the Formula One program, but but yeah. more as partners out here. Now okay. it's uh, it's a very important part of the podcast here, Nick, um, and the moment I know you've been waiting for. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to hand over to my bearded colleague to introduce you to the hardest quiz in motorsport. Over to you, Harry Benjamin. Thank you very much, Nick Cassidy. Welcome to Motormouths. As Timothy said, the hardest quiz in motorsport. Incredibly competitive leaderboard. 13 points are up for grab. I have four questions for you. Well, that's a bonus question. Um, Connor Daly currently tops the timesheets with 13 points. But if you can get 13 as well, you automatically go to the top. That's how it works. Um, And Brendan Hartley sitting pretty in third. 12 and a half points. So I think he's probably a direct rival that you're going to want to be. You want to be the top Kiwi on this podcast. Um, are you ready for your first question? I was born ready, mate. Oh, okay. good uh, fighting talk. How's fighting that? talk. How's that? <laughs> Have a listen to this clip we're going to play you. Uh, and I, the question is, which Kiwi racing driver is this? Have a listen. It's been a tough couple of seasons and this has been a clear target, so... To ride everyone at JLR and Jagger Racing is an absolute honour, so thank you so much. Should get that. Which Kiwi racing driver is that? Mitch Evans. Boom. A nice, easy one to kick things off with. Too easy. Uh, Too easy. Too easy. Okay, second question. Um, You're joining the Envision Version Racing Formula E team for next season, but 
Where did they finish in the team standing last season and with how many points? And if you get within... Oh, no. If you get within... 10 points, I'll give it to you. Yeah. But where were they in the team standings and how many points approximately? And Sylvan yep. is listening, so don't get this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, P4 in the team standings. Boom. Nice. There we are. And uh, I would say with 140 points. Oh, what did I say? No, I said within 10, didn't I? I said 10, yeah. Oh, no. 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 Uh, If I'd said within 20, but that feels like... (laughs) That's that's fair enough. They got got 121 points. Uh, So I'm afraid I can't give you the point. No uh, round of applause. But you do get a good solid point for uh, fourth in the standing. So doing well. Um, Okay, question three. You won the Drivers' Championship last year in Super Formula, but how many points did you finish the season on? Oh, mate. And again, the same rule applies, within 10, and I'll give you the points. Oh, within 10, there we go. Um, that should be quite quite doable. Famous last words. Yeah, but uh, I was maybe 43. Congratulations, you're, you're within 10. You got 36. Yeah. 36. 36 points. Oh, that wasn't great, was it? I'm overestimating <laughs> myself. <laughs> I mean, you still won it, so <laughs> I wouldn't complain. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you two out of three on that one. Um, okay, final question. Oh, wait, sorry. Penultimate question for you. Um, it's another clip. Have a listen. Again, which Kiwi racing driver is this? Have a listen. Here it comes. If I don't get by, I'll get past my sides. Brennan Hartley. Boom. He's got it in one. Oh. He's got it in one. I thought that was going to be quite a hard one. Well, I don't know. There's only a few Kiwis that have been in Formula 1, haven't they? Yeah, so true. If you heard it signs. Was, uh, as soon as we hear the Formula 1 engine yeah. noise, yeah, has got it. How, go. That's a good question. Okay. Hang, hang on. How many, how many Kiwis have there been in Formula 1? Uh, four, is it? Four. Bren- Brendan most recently, and then... Yeah, Chris Amon, uh, Tony Holm, out of five, Mike Tecco, uh, Bruce McLaren. Oh, God. Yeah, maybe five. He's the most famous one of all. Yeah. A nice history there. Um, You don't get any points. This is where the real headlines are made. Um, Bonus question for you. For one extra point, uh, and it's looking good, you do need this bonus question. Bonus point. If you get yeah. this, I will eat my microphone. <laughs> Big. <laughs> and and it's it's a harsh question. If you get it approximately, then I yeah. will give it to you. The question is: What does the first line of your Wikipedia page say? No googling. Oh, mate. Um. Wikipedia page. <laughs> Can't say this, mate. Don't pretend you haven't read it a million times. Come on. Um, a professional racing driver from New Zealand. Well, it says New Zealand in it. Okay. That, yeah, you are. You are. You're, you're half there. It, can you think? I'll give you half a point for that. You can get another half if you can come up with something else as well. <laughs> there's two. There's two okay, other elements that, that you could that you could get. One factual about your non-racing life. The other is okay. a is a stat or a, a comment that Harry made right at the beginning of the podcast about a series you'd raced in. 
Oh, okay, I know this. Okay. For Nick Cassidy. You've, you've got the first bit. You're a, yeah, a, a bang racing on driver from New Zealand. Yeah, you bang on with that. From New Zealand. That's uh, half a point in the bag. Yeah, so there we go. It's the most successful on the Toyota Racing Series. Have you just there Googled that? Oh, I have hands are here, mate. Hands are here. You gave me a kick. You said you said it in the podcast, right? Yes, okay, fair. I'm going to give you... I'm feeling generous today. You get the full what's point. The, yeah, the full the thing is um, the Nick Cassidy, uh, born 19th of August, 1994, uh, oh, is a New Zealand-born racing driver. Cassidy is best known for being one of the most successful drivers in the history of the Toyota uh, Racing Series. All right. So um, you write that, mate. You write yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone could write Wikipedia these days. Right. Let me just add up the points. It's looking good. What do you see? Got to beat Hartley. <laughs> so I've, uh, I've missed the Envision one, haven't I? That was big. I'm afraid you haven't beaten Brendan. Just what a, what about the uh, the other no Formula E drivers? We've got we've got Roland Buemi. Um, okay. Your it's a very competitive leaderboard. Just gonna, I'm just trying to soften the blow. Here. Very competitive <laughs> leaderboard. Doesn't sound you have good. scored a very respectable 10 points, 10 oh, out of 13. No. But that, that does put you, because of how competitive this leaderboard is, it puts you, I'm afraid, in 19th position. Oh, that hurts. Um, just, just behind Sebastian Buemi, who's on 11. Oh. But crucially, I mean, you're equal with David Coulthard. So it's not bad company to be around. Yeah, so uh, I think it, for the hardest quiz in motorsport, that's a very respectable score. Nick Cassidy, oh, uh, thank you very much for playing Motormouth. Well done. Well thanks done. Thanks very much. I mean, like, uh, guys, I must say, it depends how many more guys you're getting on the show, but I'm in the last chance repercharge charge here, aren't I? You are. That, yeah, you are. So, you are. Yeah. I'm afraid so. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the, leader, the leaderboard does go all the way down to 32nd. So when you look at it like that, you do Who's last? Really well. Is it still, so, uh, still Karun Chandok at the bottom? Karun Chandok is still last with three and a half points. I don't think anyone will ever get that low. Um, he had an absolute shocker. But did, anyway, we, did we uh, have the same format back then when we did it with him? Because that's, we, uh, that's an appalling we, we, score. There were, there were less points up for grabs, but yeah. overall, we, I did a conversion. Pro rata. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Oh, well, well um, done. Yeah, thank you for playing that, Nick. Uh, <laughs> that was good fun. Thanks, guys. <laughs> now, uh, let's, let's turn our attention to um, a more recent future and Formula E. So, as we mentioned at the beginning, you recently um, bagged a seat with Envision Virgin Racing. Um, tell us a little bit about how this opportunity came about. Yeah, well, firstly, I must say, I'm super excited. Um, I've, I've loved following the championship the last couple of years. Uh, looks super strong. We all know how, how competitive it is and, and the level of drivers there. So, um, yeah, massively excited to get underway with that. Uh, the opportunity came about kind of... Um, end of last year, Super Formula had wrapped up and uh, I was contacted about doing the, the rookie tests. And at that stage, I was also looking to kind of extend my stay in Japan. A couple of other things were going on. And so it was very much a, a thing of, well, I'd love to do Formula E in the future. I don't know how soon that can be, but um, and this rookie test would be the perfect opportunity to have some experience in case maybe a further opportunity come up um, at a later point. So it was the kind of mindset at the time. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, the day went super well. So fortunately, was in a position to be, to be able to join the, join the grid quite quickly. And, um, yeah, pumped. 
Do you, do, is it is it possible for you to have expectations at this stage? Do you you know can you look ahead into season seven and and think what you'd like to achieve? Um, I, I've thought about this a little bit, and I don't think that there is or is, is wise to in, in a way. I mean, I think I've got to focus on the process, and and we all know that for a rookie, it's not an easy championship um, to to come into and to to get on top of. Um, a reference for me is probably Andre Lotterer because we've been in a very similar position in the type of cars we've been driving in Japan. Obviously, he's had his Le Mans program as well. Um, and when I look at him, you know, it, it took a little bit to get going. And so, in a way, um, yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself and expect that to be any easier. I'm expecting it to be to be really tough, but I'm prepared to do, to do the work and focus on the processes that I need to, to to try to be able to get up to speed and get some results for the team as soon as I can. Mm. Will it be strange relocating away from Japan? Yeah, I spoke with I spoke about this with um, my my team of engineers actually. That it's, it's going to be a bit bit weird. Uh, I, I mean, I've been in Europe before. Um, Obviously, so looking forward to it as well. Looking forward to getting back. It, it still feels more normal for me to be in, in Europe. So, um, yeah, I think that's just a positive. And uh, have you had any uh, tips or word of, words of advice? Obviously, you mentioned, uh, you, you know, you're following the path of Andre quite similarly. Uh, do, you, do you talk with him about anything? Or what about Brendan or Mitch? Have they given any tips about the world of Formula E? Um, uh, I mean, I speak with Mitch about it a fair bit. Obviously, uh we're going to be rivals. There's no yeah. no passing of information, but you know, we we laugh about certain things. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say tips, but yeah, talk about some some weird things. And e- EVR are. <laughs> um, part of their their mission if you like is is around climate change and that's a lot of the reason for why um they they exist um they have their rack their race against climate change program is this something that you're uh, focused on that you're interested in and aware of um obviously you'll be getting involved with it i'm sure with the team but is it something that's already you know in in your mind uh, i must say i mean like it's it's easy for a driver to to join a team like evr and, and a company like envision who have these huge goals, right, of, of taking on climate change and to, to then say, oh, I'm about that too. But um, I'm quite serious when I say that there has been a, a genuine interest or um, can I say, I wouldn't say passion, but probably awareness that that is an issue in our world at the moment. And I, I wouldn't be joining a championship like Formerie if, if I wasn't on that side as well. So um, it's been interesting, like a, I probably didn't touch on before, but during lockdown, um, I was getting into new things. And one of my uh, things was I was looking at creating a, a clothing brand and um, it didn't really end up happening, but I was in the processes of uh, going about that. And and that's something as well. We were looking into how sustainable can that be and, and the different you know ways of going about it. And it's funny you know, when we talk about Formula E, how much of the conversations from talking about a clothing brand uh, are relatable uh, in terms of how we go about motorsport or racing these days as well. Yeah, absolutely. Really? No, it's, it's an interesting interesting subject. Um, and um, who is your best pal in motorsport? Who's the guy that you hang out with the most or enjoy spending time with in the paddock? Um I've been best mates with, with Mitch Evans since we were, we were really young. So 
would say Mitch there. Um, also, I mean, there's, there's, you don't go through motorsport unless you're on a unless you're a dick, right, with no friends. So I think everyone has a, a lot of friends up and down, up and down pit lane, and, and we've grown up with Tom Conquest as well, so the three of us have always been pretty close. There must be some dicks out there somewhere with no friends in the paddock. <laughs> you, you can't name them here, mate. No, come on, name a shame. <laughs> Nick Cassidy lays into Roman Grosjean. Yeah, Roman Grosjean, of all the people to pick. <laughs> First name that came to mind. You've got to be mean on the track and, uh, and friendly in the pit lane, I suppose. Um, oh, good one. Uh, what's your uh, your most memorable racing memory? Your, your best racing memory? Do you have one? Yeah, it'll be uh, the Super Formula Championship last yeah. year. Um for sure uh, I, I say that I just I came so close and it before 2018 yeah. I, I missed out by less than a second and so that was a sweet revenge yeah, yeah I bet. It, it's a travesty and that 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 series isn't bigger over here isn't it it's, it's such a cool championship we need to somehow raise some awareness of Super Formula I, in I think, Europe I think it is slowly because obviously we've got we've had people like you Andre Lotterer Pierre Gasly I think did a lot for it as well with him sort of switching <clears> between <throat> that and Formula 1 I think slowly the last couple of years it has sort of started to become more on the radar would you say yeah I guess so um, Rosenquist as well Felix mm, he was out of course, here yeah um, Last year, I mean, it helps obviously when drivers go on to do other things because all they're doing other things at the same time because I think then you talk about it more. But probably, to be honest, um, as far we've had quite a few conversations out here uh, with European drivers of, of how do we you know, bring awareness to the championship or how do we promote this? And it kind of comes down to the... The Japanese series organizers—they don't yeah. really want to. They don't—they don't—they're not bothered. They're doing their thing in Japan, and, and they're happy with that. And so, I think unless they have that kind of willingness to do so, yeah. it's not much for change. Mm. Which is it's sad because yeah, I'd like to see. Yeah, I think I think actually it is broadcast on. I think Red Bull TV broadcast it over here. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so from this that- year. Yeah. yeah, so um, so that's at least uh, at least something. But um, outside of racing, um, any hidden talents? Hidden talents? Oh no, uh, I wouldn't be my karaoke. My would- <laughs> it wouldn't be that. Um, oh, I don't want to be boring and say I've got none, but none none come to mind. Can you play an instrument or um, I don't know, uh, raise your eyebrow over the other oh. something like that? I'm, I'm a really average golf player. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's your handicap? What's your, what's, yeah, what's your handicap? <laughs> I probably mid nineties at the moment. Okay. Oh, yeah. what score? So your score a ninety six. That's that's yeah. that's perfectly acceptable. That's about that my level. I actually, no golf. But... Were you, were you, you... I started this lockdown, so March, April, I've got into it. And, uh, oh wow! Well, that's yeah. decent. That's yeah, decent. I'm loving it. If you're scoring, <laughs> if you're scoring sub one hundred after a few months of playing golf, that's pretty impressive. Harry will never be able to play golf because he's six foot a million and will never find a golf club that fits. So just forget it. It's not, um, it's, it's I, not oh god that's another sport ruled out yeah. first I can't be a driver now I can't be a golf player and you, can't, you can't get in a uh, but I'm, to be fair I'm just I'm born to be a basketball player to be fair yeah that's what um, should have should have done more of that but um, okay well let's flip that on his head then uh, what are you really crap at karaoke karaoke uh, okay. yeah. that keeps coming up yeah <laughs> um, yeah I'd say coordination is not so bad um, 
probably not much I'm terrible at, but the, the voice and the, yeah, probably not the best. Not the best singer, no. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Um, well, we have a, a final three questions that we, uh, we like to ask to all our guests. Um, so, Tim, do you want to kick off with the first one? Sure. So, what has got you excited at the moment? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect answer. Um, If not doing what you're doing, being a very successful racing driver, what would you be doing? And we could rule out being a singer. Um, I would love to have some some kind of business and yeah, uh, yeah, some some kind of especially online tech um, marketing. Passion for that. Mm, excellent Great. our final question for you which throws up a myriad of different uh, answers from various different people some people get really deep on this others just go with spiders what are you scared of snakes oh yeah <laughs> oh, no, not sense that one's coming and yeah. Uh, snakes yeah Ooh. don't like them Do you, but New Zealand's fairly um, it's a bit like England isn't it there's nothing too big and scary yeah, yeah I reckon I saw my first one like a couple of weeks ago Really? I mean, outside of a zoo or whatever. Yeah. God, in, that yeah. was in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, riding the bikes on a on a training ride and little snake in the middle of the road. So. Oh God. Yeah. I, I once had a friend who had a. I once had a friend who had a pet snake, and I just couldn't get my head around. <laughs> no <it>. way. Why, <laughs> why would you have a snake for a pet? And they used to have like frozen mice in mm. the freezer, which you feed it. Um, uh, it was just the whole the whole situation is so horrible. It's like, oh, why would you do? Oh no, they're meant for yeah. not anywhere being near any kind of human, let alone a house. But, I, I, uh, I know, yeah, I know, there, I know. We mention it all the time when we ask this question, but the weird, it's, it's funny to tell people because the, the weirdest ones we've had are, um, are definitely um, Crofty and um, I can't remember who said the other one, but they, with the tiny holes. But Crofty, Crofty's got a fear of tea bags. And um, who was it? Was it, it was Rachel, Rachel Brooks? Rachel Brooks, uh, the Sky Sports presenter. Yeah, it's a sort of fear. You have it as well, Tim. A fear of tiny, sort tiny of fear holes. Of, yeah. Uh, what's it actually called? There's, the, a, there's, the there's a word for it, and I can't remember what it is, but it's this fear mm. of lot, multiple tiny holes. So, like a, a sponge, uh, even the thought of it starts making me go. Oh, weird. mate, my girlfriend has the same fear. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I know exactly it, what you're talking about. It's a real She's, thing. Yeah, bad about that. Yeah, it's what making me go this? weird as we're talking. But yeah, there, and there okay, are pictures okay. that you can look at online. If you, I can't remember what the what the with a person with holes in it and stuff. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, there we go. There yeah. we go. There we go. That's yeah, it. That's, <laughs> so I have great sympathy for your for your girlfriend, but she is not alone. There are other people out there like me, Rachel Brooks. It's a it's a thing. So oh, um, I'm going to start a new podcast spin-off about yeah, tiny you holes. Probably could get, you could do that. Phobias. That'll yeah. Do it. Anyway, um, um, listen. Yeah. It's been. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Nick. Um, we, we've followed your career with great interest. It's it's amazing to see a Kiwi coming up through the ranks and doing well and your success in Japan and obviously the Formula E seat with, with EVR, which is hugely exciting. And we'll make sure we can, hopefully when we can, get to a race and come and see you properly. Um, but you're, you're clearly um, a very quick driver, a humble guy. Um, really nice chat we wish you all the best for season 7 let's hope it's uninterrupted with no Covid and all that nonsense um, let's get a full season in but thank you for joining us and um, and we'll see you soon awesome guys no that's uh, it's been a lot of fun so 
appreciate you inviting me on the show and uh, we'll see it again sometime. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and on Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile and interact with others and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast.